Kirk is going to come and he's going to share his heart with us. He's going to, he's going to speak to us about uh, uh, what's, what's going on here. And I uh, hope that uh, we can all receive what God is saying to us. And so it's an exciting time at the end of all this. We're going to, after the time of worship, we're going to lay hands on Kirk and Karen and pray for him. We're going to, we're going to bless him. And uh, just want to encourage you to receive what the Lord has to say. So how about a round of applause for Pastor Kirk? Man, I... I am very blessed to see people in Hawaiian shirts. Oh, gosh, come on, you guys. Um, oh. Okay, thanks, thanks. I, you know, no. Well, before, before I get into the Word this morning, I just want to say um, that I feel very confident this morning as we transition that we're leaving this church into the very mature hands that it's going into. Uh, Sherry, would you share that, my sentiments, uh, with us? Do you have it, Sherry? Hold on. I have a few sentiments. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is your new leader. Right here. And... Um, yeah, you know, you can tell right there, you can, someone you can, you can lean on with wisdom and trust. You know, that, that to me looks like the dry look. Yeah, you know, look at the collar. I, you know, the, the sad thing is he's still got a couple of those shirts that he wears. But anyway, um, but anyway it's a pretty good picture. But, no, but, with every, you know, good man, there's a solid woman behind him. And the one thing I want to say about Tracy is that she's sober and serious and, and, and a real woman of God. Let, let's just show. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's the new group. Okay. Well, <laughs> we can put the love slide back on. Um, <laughs> hey, Terry, your wife, talk to her after the service. Thank you, Tracy, for fixing me up. Um, hey, it's all good. We have, yeah. we have a few things for you, too, bro. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you still have your mic? I'd like Karen to come up just for a moment. And uh, Karen, would you come up? Wow. Dig those threads, man. <laughs> Let me try. It's always good to have a good-looking woman by your side when you look the way I do. Um, Karen, Karen, seriously, has really been um, the rock behind anything I've done here. She's, she's never one up in front or in public, but she's, well, now, yeah, don't, okay. You'll have your chance to put in your own comedic thing. I'm trying to be sweet here. No, but she, she's always been supporting everything we've done. And, uh, and she loves you. So I didn't want to just get up here and preach. I wanted to put you on the spot. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and just see if there's anything you want to say. You don't have to, but I'm sure you do. Well, I, yeah, he did put me on the spot. Um, 
I just, I don't know what to say. This has just been the best experience we've ever had. It's really hard, hard, hard to leave. And for all of you who have, are with us now, who have been with us in the past, who have come back and, and um, just come to bless us, we, we just are so thankful for you. And, mm. and um, I don't want to make this sad, because I, I do want to say that we, we do want to keep in touch with all of you. Um, we really love you and, and um, appreciate you so much. You've made this journey, this last 15 years, incredibly um, blessed for us. And um, we just feel like you're, you're just family, you're extension yeah. family. So um, I don't know that I have any uh, quips, um, except I, I know that um, Sharon brought her little dog for me today. She said it's my Christmas present. Oh, really? <laughs> What's your return policy? <laughs> anyway, um, I love you and, and um, just pray blessings on you. Yeah, you can give it back to Terry. Yeah, thanks. Um, I want to say that this morning I told Karen, I said, I, wanna, I just want to get up one last time and do everything that I've done these past 15 years. So I got up early and I got in the car and drove down. Every, every Sunday I would drive down Fort Worth Highway to the courthouse, pray over the city as I came, come around the courthouse, go all the way down Main Street, pray for the different churches as I would come into church. And uh, I wanted to do that one last time. And I always have worship music on. And this morning I, I did that um, by listening to Eddie. And... Um, Thank you, Eddie. Listen, if you, uh, if you don't have a Christmas gift yet that you need for somebody, the, you know, if you were one of the shame on yous that Terry spoke about, you still got some, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm so thankful you made this. Uh, we're going to miss worshiping with you. That's one of the things we're going to really miss. And, and keep making them, okay? So we can keep worshiping with you. I'm going to bequeath this to Terry. <laughs> so that when he forgets what he's doing. <laughs> and don't forget my own personal plug for the children's gospel box. We're still taking offerings for the next two weeks. And please, uh, we didn't have the banks this year, so write a check. One dollar reaches one child across the world. Um, I thought about what can I share in this time with you, this last time, not last time, but this, this time of closing this, a time of transition with you and and, and feeling confident that you are in God's hands and that you're in good hands and, and feeling confident that we're, we're moving in, in God's direction for our life. I thought back to the very first sermon I preached in this church to one and a half people. I think, I think the half person is still here. There he is, half Russ. I'm glad we got the full Russ now. You know, the half Russ was really kind of hard to deal with, but the full Russ, I love the full Russ real fully. Um, that was. <laughs> uh, 
I shared about the grace of God. This is the Sunday of love. We've done this little, I've brought this little Lutheran tradition into the Foursquare Church, and every Sunday during Advent, we've watched Charlie Brown, and we've lit the Advent candles, and we've remembered the message of hope, peace, joy, but this Sunday is love. And the last candle that will light is the candle of Christ tomorrow night. Grace, you know, if I have to think of one word to summarize everything that we're to be about and everything that would define what I feel my life is about, and everything I think the Apostle Paul talked about in summarizing up his life, it would be in that word grace. And so when the Apostle Paul was gathered together with the church of Ephesus that he had planted, and he knew that he was going to Jerusalem, he gathered them around together and he spoke to them. And in some of the very famous verses of that sermon in Acts chapter 20 are some things that I have always tried to hold dear to my heart that I have not forgotten to share with you the whole counsel of God. Paul said, I'm not guilty of the blood of, uh, uh, the blood of bloodshed, meaning that whole, the old, New, old Testament warning for those who call out a warning on the wall, if they, if they see danger and they didn't call out the warning, they would be guilty of the blood of the person who might have been injured or killed. But if they called out the warning and the person didn't heed the warning, they wouldn't be guilty. And, and Paul said, I've called out the warning to you over and over again. I have not ceased to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And I know that that tradition will continue in this church. In that when I look over 15 years of sermons, the one thing that amazes me, and, and I shouldn't be amazed because we serve an amazing God, and I don't say this other than just to say that I'm surprised by this, but I have not repeated any sermon twice. Now, I may have spoken on the same topic twice, but I've never repeated the same sermon twice. And we've preached from both the Old Testament and the New Testament. We've preached from both covenants and we've preached the message of grace that we find in Genesis that runs all the way to the book of Revelation. And so Paul, when he had the church of Ephesus all gathered together, he said, now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. I was watching an old movie. I was looking for a movie to watch and... I came across the movie called The Cisco Kid. How many have ever seen the movie The Cisco Kid? You know, with a young Harrison uh, Ford, and then uh, who's the other guy? Gene Wilder. Yeah, Gene Wilder played a Jewish rabbi that was going out west from the East Coast, and, and this town out west wanted a rabbi. He was on this adventure. He, he meets up with this gunslinging thief, which is Harrison Ford, and the whole comedy ensues. And the one scene is that some bad guys are going after Gene Wilder, the rabbi, and they shoot at him and they take the Torah and they throw it into the fire. And then, of course, Harrison Ford comes to the rescue and Gene Wilder rushes over to the fire and he grabs out of the fire this Torah and he puts it out and then he takes it in his hand 
and he kisses it. And I thought to myself, you know, that's the word of his grace. In Jewish tradition, God is his word and the word is God. And John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And we, we sometimes treat these, this book very lightly. We, we, we get it, you know, in camouflage. We get it pink. We get it purple. You know, we get it with cartoons in it and all sorts of things. But we not, need not forget that this is the Word of God. This is God speaking to us. This is God. And when he got that out of the fire in this comedy... He dusted it off and he held it before him and he kissed it. For in his hands he held God. And so Paul says, I commend you to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So I got five simple points. I'm not going to be lengthy on them. And I've talked about them over and over again. The very first sermon I preached when I was interviewing to be as a pastor was on the threefold grace of God. I got five points now because God's grace keeps expanding. I'm going to give them to you right off the bat. Very simple. There's the saving grace of God. There's the equipping grace of God. There's the empowering grace of God. There's the teaching grace of God. And there's the sustaining grace of God. People say, well, what is grace? A lot of times we compare grace with mercy. People have defined mercy of not receiving from God what we deserve. When He doesn't give us what we deserve, that's mercy. We deserve judgment. He doesn't give it to us. That's mercy. And then they define grace as this, receiving from God something that we don't deserve. So mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. And the Sunday school answer is, it's the unmerited favor and love of God. How many learned that in Sunday school? The unmerited favor and love of God. But somehow, that just doesn't do it for me. Because grace is so much more. I'm going to give you this definition, and then I'm going to show you that in five points. Grace is the love of God in action in my life. It's when God's love all of a sudden comes and ignites and becomes engaged and becomes an active force in my life. God begins to do things in my life. Can you remember the first time when you met Jesus and you began to experience God doing something in your life? How many can remember that day? And I want to tell you something. It should not stop there. That should only be the beginning. That God wants to do something over and over in our lives. So this is the first scripture, Ephesians 2, 4-10. I'm just going to read it. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And He raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, do you know right now, most of you sit in the same seat every Sunday. It's human nature. It's human nature. If I want to know if Harold and Patsy are here, I'll look in that left corner or the right corner. If I want to know if Russ and Becky are here, I'll look over to the right. If I want to know if Mitch is here, I'll look to the second row right here. And so on and so forth. But do you realize that that may be your favorite seat, but you're also right now seated with Christ in heavenly places. 
I can't even fathom that or understand that. But that's what the scripture says. And uh, I heard from a, a rumor in heaven going around that a lot of times he does musical chairs. Anyway, um, and he says, By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in us, his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, we all know this scripture, you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If I'm going to leave and commend to you the word of his grace, the first thing I need to remind you and charge you with is this, is that it's always by grace through faith. You're saved by grace through faith, and everything else that happens in your life and will happen in your life is only by grace through faith. Whenever we begin to think that it's because of something we've done, because of some talent we have, because of some prayer we've uttered, because somehow God may just, we may be a little closer to God than the guy over there. We've already slipped from grace. Paul talked to the Galatians, and he said, You foolish Galatians, are you so foolish in leaving the grace of God? And then he asked him this question in Galatians 3 5. He says, He who gave you the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do that by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Here's what Paul's saying. Do you think that when you got saved and the Holy Spirit came to dwell your heart in power, that you had anything to do with that? That that was because you were good enough? No, it's by grace through faith. Lest not of works lest any man should boast. He says, so therefore, now do you think that miracles, that healing, that breakthroughs, that provision, that anything that we need from God comes because we've done something? No, it's because His grace has been extended to us because He loves us. His love in us, working in us, working through us, working for us, working by us, working in us. It's always grace through faith. And that's the one thing I want to charge you to remember. It's so easy to forget that. It's easy to forget that in everything we do. Number two, there's the equipping grace of God. Romans 12, 3-8 says, For I say through the grace given to me, now notice how Paul always talks about that. When he's talking, he says it's always about grace. Now I'm going to tell you something. He says, through the grace given to me, to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and we're individually members of one another. I love this. He says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, 
let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. And he who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Here's what God is saying. God has come to you and he's given you a measure of faith. You know, even faith, everything's a gift from God. And he's brought you to himself. And then he's given you gifts by his grace. His love in action at work within you. And he's given you gifts of ministry and service and healing and, and intercession. And, and the list goes on and on. Look at the whole Bible. But he says, what you need to do is use them. What good is the grace of God that he's given to us and the gifts he's given to us if we don't use them? And so as a church, as a family, as you go forward, don't sit on your gifts. Don't let your gifts get dusty. Young people, discover your gifts. Get involved. Help, help set up tables and chairs. Some people say, well, you know, how do you get started in ministry? You start setting up tables and chairs, sweeping the floor, and picking up the trash. We had two interns that came from CFNI years ago. One came in to lead worship. The other came in to do Bible study. And I told them, okay, I want you guys here 30 minutes early, since you're going to be an intern. They said, okay. I said, now when you come in, that's when we were still meeting in here for Wednesday night. I said, now what I want you to do is I want you to tear down the chairs, set up the tables, and set up the tables for Wednesday night. And the guy looked at me like this. I thought I just came to do the Bible study. No, you came to be an intern. <laughs> you came to learn what it was to do ministry. And Jesus said, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you need to learn to be what? A servant of all. And if you're not going to be willing to set up chairs, then... How are you going to be effective at anything else you do? So God has given you gifts. And this church is so gifted. My goodness. I've never seen a church with so much musical talent and anointed gifts in music and ministry and service. People behind the scenes doing things, praying for people, taking meals, all without even having to ask. That's what Jesus did. John 1, 14-17 says this, listen. The Word became flesh and He dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness, now we have all received. And grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth through Jesus Christ. We have sent out so many people from this church who are now engaged in ministry and they're using their gifts outside of these four walls. It's good to see many of you. And what God has done in your life and in the releasing of that. So church, listen. God equips you by His grace so that you can be effective 
in your life and ministry. Number three, the empowering grace of God. This is my life verse. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. When Karen and I came here, I never thought I would pastor again. I thought that God had looked over me, that I had failed Him too much, that I was done. And, and then I almost died. And in the hospital room, under anesthesia, because I don't even remember it, my daughter heard me say, what I'd like to do is go and pastor a church in a small town. And um, that year, we were attending a church in San Antonio, Texas, Foursquare Church in San Antonio, Texas, and the pastor on that first Sunday of the year had everybody write down a prayer and put it in an envelope. And then six months later, he mailed those envelopes back to the people. And in my daughter's prayer, she prayed for my mom who had just lost my dad. And she prayed in a simple nine-year-old, only a nine-year-old can pray, Lord, help my dad use his gifts to pastor a small church in some town. I wonder if I would be here if my daughter hadn't prayed. So Paul, even though he felt totally inadequate as I did, he says this in verse 10, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. I want to tell you, God gives you grace to empower you, to strengthen you, to lift you up when you feel worthless, when you feel like, like life has just abandoned you, like even God has abandoned you. Have you ever felt like God has abandoned you? Have you ever read the Psalms of David when he said, my God, my God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? But grace comes to empower us. And then we have a responsibility toward that grace. And that responsibility is to employ it. It's to respond to it. It's to use it. It's to do the love of God. Paul says, the love of God compels me. It constrains me. It moves me along. And so grace comes to us to give us power to do what we need to do. And I made a commitment. When we came here 15 years ago, that I was going to use this verse as my life verse, and I was going to work harder, I was going to work faithful, I was going to do it not because I could do it, but because He could do it through me. That grace was going to be sufficient. And so I did labor. Two jobs the whole time. I still got to keep the one. People say, oh, you're retired now. I said, no, I just added more hours on the crazy side. The empowering grace of God. Number four, 
So many people don't realize this about the grace of God. Is that it teaches us. Titus 2, 11-15 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. Notice that. Not only is God the Word, but the Bible also tells us in 1 John that He's love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and God, what, is love. And what this letter here is, it's not a do's and don't book. Let me see, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. You know, oh, or, and it's not a formula book. Um, read verses 13 to 15, get $1,000. Read this chapter, get healed. Quote this verse and get a new Mercedes. But Lord, I don't want a Mercedes Benz. My friends all got Porsches. I must make amends. Okay, well, over here is the one about the red chargers. Okay, I'll read that one. Oh, Lord. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. Listen to what it teaches us. The love of God is teaching us through His Word that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify to Himself His own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you, Paul says to Timothy. You know, there was a time when I thought I had to be good enough for God until my whole life fell apart and I realized I wasn't good enough for anybody. And that's when I was a pastor. Not when I was living without Christ. I was angry. I was bitter. I was broken. And I felt this whisper come to my heart. Kirk, let me love you into wholeness. I thought to myself, well, God, I mean, I've got to do this and this and this and this and this and this. He said, no, 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 no. Let me love you into wholeness. You see, the grace of God, His love, comes to teach us. As it teaches us, it takes us away from all those ugly things that scarred our lives. And it begins to wash us at the same time and purify us at the same time and sanctify us at the same time. And all the time, it's not our effort, it's grace. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace until we realize I'm not that person anymore. Wait a minute. How did it happen? What did I do? I didn't do anything. God did everything. Everything. Like your song says, Eddie. And so now he just says to us, what will you give me? And we can just say, Lord, I'll give you everything. Is that in the last two? Is it? 
Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to like faint right now if you said yes. <laughs> Over the years, Sunday after Sunday, almost on a regular basis, the last two songs closing out have tied right in with the message when Eddie and I have not even talked. 1 John 2.27 says, The anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it, it, just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. We know that's talking about the Holy Spirit, but, but do you know what happens when the Holy Spirit fills you, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit? The Bible says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, it was a baptism in the love of God in such power that it overflowed through them as they spoke in tongues. They weren't preaching. They were telling of the wonderful things of God. They were worshiping because love came in and washed them and love began to come out. That's the teaching grace of God. It's the guiding of His love from our brokenness into his wholeness. And number five, the sustaining grace of God. Terry and Tracy know of this grace very well. And I remember when you guys were going through your very difficult and dark time, that over and over again your testimony was, his grace is sufficient. And so Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. What was that? We don't know. People can speculate, and, but, but we really don't know. A messenger of Satan to buffet me. How did, he, how did he do that? We don't know. Concerning this thing, though, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. You know, there are some things in my life I, I wanted to depart from me, and they're still around like my other job. <laughs> but God's been faithful and provided for me all these years through that other job. Um, but how many of you had stuff you, you wanted to shed and, and it, the Lord just didn't see fit to take it out? You know, and he says, hey, nope, nope, nope. You're, you're staying right where you're put. You know, that's what you, you got to learn to deal with it. Might be a mother-in-law. I don't know. My mother-in-law, by the way, didn't like me for 25 years, and I don't really understand that. Because <laughs> I think I'm a pretty likable guy. Kind of semi-sorta. But you know what? By the time she went to glory, I was, I, she liked me better than her son and daughter. So grace. <laughs> it took almost 40 years, but I got time. Concerning this thing, he said, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said these words, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And all of a sudden, the light bulb went off in Paul's head, and he said, Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I want to tell you, when you know that you can't, he can. Did you hear me? But it takes a long time to get to that place of realizing that we can't. 
because we try to do it. We try to do it and make it happen until we run out of gas, we run out of options, we run out of opportunities, we run out of money, we run out of whatever it is, and then we find out he can. Karen and I were down to $50, a mortgage payment, no job, and I went out to the Ontario airport. I wanted a plane. I was watching them land. I wanted a plane to hit me, and I cried out with a fist waving it to God. God, what are you doing to us? You said you'd provide for us. What are you doing to us? And then all of a sudden, I, I lowered my hand and I just began to cry and I just said, oh, forgive me. I drove home and on the way home, he gave me a plan. It was a crazy plan, but it worked. And I learned that he can. When we came here and we had to close this building down and no one was coming and, and, and everyone would come in here and, and there would be nobody and, you know, who wants to attend this church? We, we closed it. We went back to our home and God, I said, God, why did you bring us here? I said, no one's coming. There's nobody who wants to be part of this church anymore. I said, what do I do? And the Lord said, put getting his house ready on the sign and your phone number. And so I put getting his house ready on the sign and my phone number. And I said, Karen, it's stupid. I don't get it. But all of a sudden, people started to call. I got a call from this guy in the Hawaiian shirt up here in the second row. What is this getting your house ready all about? Got a call from Donna Waltz. Got a call from a guy named Guy Keller and Meredith Keller. Eddie and Sherry Reed, and others. You see, when, when you realize that you don't have what it takes, then you've got what it takes. It, do, it doesn't make sense to the natural mind, but you got it, right? Listen to this from Romans 8, 37 and 39. You know the scripture so well, but put, put this in context. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so, Pastor Terry, I would say to you into this church, you go, well, how are we going to face the, the challenges ahead? My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. People say to me, Kirk, what if the rapture doesn't happen like you've taught? What if, what if like, you know, all of a sudden there's the Antichrist and we haven't gone up? Well, I'll look down and say, where were you? No, no, no. <laughs> no people, people... <laughs> Okay, people. <laughs> Boy, now I, I've lost it. Um, people say, well, what if we have to go through the tribulation? How, how will we do it? By grace. Through faith. Well, how are we going to reach more young adults? How are we going to reach more children? How are we going to reach more people for Jesus Christ? By grace. Through faith. Well, how are we going to meet all the financial needs ahead? Why, why golly, what if, what if the roof blows off in a great windstorm? And, and how are we going to have enough money to pay for a new roof? By grace, through faith. One last story. Because I don't think I had the epilogue to this story. 
when I talked a few Sundays ago. Maybe I did, so if I repeat myself, realize I'm getting older. <laughs> and give me a little bit of grace. Some of you haven't heard this. Some of you weren't there if I already told you this, but I did tell you this, but I just want to say this again. When we, when we prayed through this whole call to go to Florida and to work with Foursquare Mission Press and this whole transition in our life, it was difficult, as Karen said, the most difficult decision in our life. But God kept opening every door and confirming it all along the way as we worked with our district, as we worked with Terry and Tracy, as we worked with the church council, as we, as we put everything before the Lord in prayer. And then our house wasn't selling. And then all the homes that we were preparing to look for in Florida, the ones we really wanted got sold and they weren't there. And so Karen, we had a few conversations like, are you sure we're doing the right thing? I mean, come on. Human, that's a question, right? It's a fair question. And I said, well, Karen, God has opened up all the doors all the way to this point. And surely, if, if, if he's calling us there, he's going to open that door. And I told you the story really quickly about the first day we went, um, early December, when we looked at houses, and the first day was a disaster. And every home was wrong, and there were things wrong with it, or the neighborhood. And every home, we would not even consider the first eight homes we looked at. And Karen, I could see she was very discouraged. I mean, you could just see it in her countenance. And I was trying to be the strong guy again. You know how men always try to be... Well, you know, first I got to make sure my pants are long enough. Okay. <laughs> my pants are long enough. Okay, they'll get long enough. And then I pull myself up by the belt strap and I, I said, Well, Karen, I said, The Lord will provide. And then I went into the bathroom and I said, Lord, you better provide. Because my wife's getting a little squirrely on this, you know. So the second day we're looking at homes, and, and the story is, is that we saw a lot of homes that we liked, but not the perfect home. The one that Karen really wanted, the one that she really wanted, was gone. And the one I really wanted to look at was gone. And at the end of the day, just something prompted me. Hmm, I wonder what that was. Oh, maybe it was the Holy Spirit. Maybe it was grace at work in my life. I said to my realtor, I said, will you just contact that one my wife really liked and see if maybe it fell through or something? Got a call that night, it had fallen through. And we went there, five showings schedule. we went before anyone showed up at the house. It was the house, and we made an offer on it. So now we're waiting for the uh, appraisal, and that's the last step. Now, when Karen walked up to it, her favorite flowers, yeah, hibiscus. That's one of her favorite flowers. And the two plants on either side of the walkway by the front door are hibiscus plants. Hibiscus plants. <laughs> and then in the backyard, there was one of your other favorite plants. And, I mean, I'm not going to spend any more time on that, but, you know, it, when we first got married and we were following God's call to move to college and to, to live closer to Melody Land School of Theology, I had a cat, and none of the apartments were taking cats. And finally, I pleaded when I found one I thought Karen would like. And they said, well, there's only one we can rent you. Let me call the owner. And when they took us into that apartment, it was totally screened in patio with cat ladders 
and sunning porches all around. The God is good. His grace leads us. His grace sustains us. His grace equips us. It saves us. It equips us. It empowers us. It teaches us. And it will sustain you. If there's anything I could say, I'd say I commend to you the word of His grace. Stay in the grace of God. And you'll make it every time. Pastor Terry. Sorry, went a little over. Thank you, Kurt. Um, okay, so I didn't really talk to Eddie about this. Are you, uh, you we got one song? Okay, y'all come on back up. Um, Let's, let's worship the Lord for this one song, and, uh, and then we're going to invite Kirk and Karen to come up, and we're going to lay hands on them and pray over them, and we've got a few other things to say and do, and um, hopefully you'll bear with us. We're probably going to go a few minutes past noon, and uh, if, you, if you have to go, go, but uh, you really ought to stay. So um, I'm all in. I'm all in. God's grace really is sufficient. And, um, you know, when I was a young preacher, I was full of all these ideas and theology and all these theories. Yeah. But when you really live life and you begin to see how it all works in real life and you experience God's grace, that's when you begin to understand it's not just theory. It's the real deal, and it will carry you through. God is faithful and his grace is sufficient. So let's stand and worship the Lord. You were the word at the beginning. One with God, the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation Now revealed in you Our Christ What a beautiful name it is What a beautiful name it is The name of Jesus Christ my King What a beautiful name it is Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. You didn't want heaven without us. Jesus, you
What a wonderful name it is. it equips us, it sustains us, it teaches us. It's everything. You can receive that grace today. If you've never done that, today is your opportunity. It's only in the name of Jesus. There's a way that seems right to man. The world will tell you, but there's only one way. Everything else will lead you down a path of hopelessness and destruction, filled with misery and despair. But if you'll give your life to Jesus, I promise you, he will change you. He'll turn you around. He will set your feet up on solid ground. He will make you whole. Yes. And your life will be different forever in this life and for eternity. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, 
If you need Jesus, get down here to the front. Someone will meet you and pray with you. Come right now. If you need Jesus, this is the time. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace that sustains us. Help us to learn that more and more every day, Lord, as we walk with you, as we experience your grace and your goodness and your powering and your provision and your care. As you carry us along and sustain us, Lord, help us to learn more and more and more of that and how to trust in that and to walk in that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, Kirk, you and Karen, I'd like to invite you to come up. We're going to, and I want all the, uh, all the ministry leaders, staff, uh, you know, we're going to lay hands on them. Everybody else, we're going to, as we begin to pray, I want you guys to extend your hands. Um, we're going to give you, we're going to give you a sending away. And uh, I think we'll pray first, and I have some things I want to say, uh, but I'm sorry, I know we're, we're going a little beyond, but, you know, this doesn't happen very often, folks. You know, one time in 15 years, we can stand a little bit longer, so let's just, let's just let God have his way and do what he wants to do. And so, you know, we're all, we're all moving forward all the time. Life is like a big journey. It's an adventure. But, but you guys are moving on, and so, Lord, we... We thank you for all these years of service for Kirk and Karen, what they've given of themselves, how they've heard you, how they've shared that with us faithfully. They've never shirked their responsibilities. They've never, they've never pulled back. They've never shrunk away from, from the difficulties or the good things. Lord, they have led us. They've ministered to us. They've loved us. They've modeled what that's all supposed to look like. And so, Lord, now we bless them. We thank you for their service. And as they move forward, Lord, we ask that, that you go before them. They've already seen that you've gone before them, Lord, as, they, as he was sharing about you providing a way with, with a home and all the different things you're doing, Lord. And, and we expect to hear good reports. Lord, good reports as, as they begin to discover all that is before them, Lord. And you will move before them, and we are sending them out, anointing them in the Holy Spirit to go and do the things that you've destined for them. This is not just a, it's not just a career move. It's not just a coincidence or something for a change. This is you, Lord. You have directed and guided this whole process, and we proclaim that over them today. We proclaim your blessing and favor that everything they put their hand to, personally, financially, business-wise, career moves, ministry, relationships, every area of their lives, Lord, that you would give them your favor and blessing and anoint all that they do. Let it be a wonderful journey of discovering you and your grace and your glory and your power all over again as they launch out into something so cool and special. And we're just excited for them, Lord, and we thank you for that. And we proclaim victory over them. In Jesus' name.